When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So here's where things stand since we last spoke. As we were saying on Monday, all signs were pointing to more cases, a renewed risk of hospitals hitting their capacities, and the inevitable slowdown of the economic reopening. And what do you know? On Wednesday, the U.S. had its highest single day of new cases ever, more than the peak way back on April 26th. The stock market finally noticed, and yesterday, the Dow dropped more than 700 points. Florida, California, Texas, some of the largest economies in the country, all hotspots on the verge of new stay-home orders and business shutdowns. Disney is delaying reopening of Disneyland. Apple is uh, closing some of the stores in Houston. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, they've all basically banned visitors from eight hotspot states. They're now requiring that two-week quarantine. So... As regular viewers might know, we've already taken our profits and gotten out of the recovery stocks, some of our outdoor plays, and this morning, the uh, market did open down again. Uh, it looks like we are slightly up right now. We'll talk about the things that led to that, but the headlines are basically a broken record. It's continued virus concerns, worse than expected jobless claims, and somehow during all of this, we've had our best stock market returns ever by being prepared, by anticipating that first wave market crash, by doing it again, anticipating the initial recovery. So today on Dumb Money Live, we're going to share exactly what we've done now to protect our profits and further increase our gains. Collectively, we're now hedged more than $10 million. And we're going to talk about what we've done and why as we brace our portfolios for another market crash. <laughs> This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. We are going to get right into things, but first I need to get the engagement going so that the YouTube algorithm knows that we're on. So smash the like button or like the smash button. Either way, jump into the live chat. If you're a first time viewer here, introduce yourself. Tell everyone where you are watching us from. And for all of the regulars, welcome back. Um, let us know what you're doing with your portfolio. Are you long? Are you short? Are you hanging out in cash? Are you making any money? Side note, if you were expecting us to talk about Nikola and Tesla this morning, we had to push that back to next week. So, so much to talk about there. We will we will get to that next week on Thursday. We have a big show on Monday as well. So subscribe, turn on notifications, make sure they're set to all. Uh, next week, Chris, do you want to talk about who we have joining us on Monday or, can, or is that still a secret? No, I don't think it's a secret. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about him a handful of times on the show. I think he's a guy that's been an inspiration for us, and he really is. Could you think of any person who would be a better first guest on Dumb Money Live than founder of StockTwits, uh, the guy that, you know, coined the phrase uh, investing for joy and profit, not just profit, but joy and profit. And yeah. I think that's what we're all about here at Dumb Money 
Howard Lindzen. Um, he's going to be our first guest on Dumb Money on Monday, and we're talking about a subject that he's Actually, written about. Graham Stephan was our first guest. We were doing oh, live true. shows, and we had Graham Stephan join us when Robin Hood was having their major outages to get his take on that. So our second guest. That's not a bad combo, right? Graham <laughs> Stephan to How- Howard Lindzen. Um, we must be doing I mean, something I- right. I, listen, I, I, I love Howard. If you guys don't know, we're investors. Uh, I'm an investor in StockTwits. Uh, Howard invested in our company, Ticker Tags, years ago. And um, just cannot wait to have him on the show. Uh, his 8 to 80 investing methodology is really cool. And also, we're, we're going to talk about just, just the changes that are taking place with millennial investors and Robinhood investors and the ETF is dead. What that means for you and how you could monetize this cultural shift in investing because there's actually a macro trend happening uh, with financial markets that I think long-term you can arb that trend. And that's what we're talking to Howard about. It's going to be an awesome show on Monday. And by the way, I've already put in two days of work on next Thursday show, which is the uh, electrification of the world, the next Tesla. Um, can't wait for that one. It's going to be an awesome week. It's going to be great. Week. But, and and who knows, we may have to jump in with an emergency episode in between those. <laughs> so, but by the way, do we want to do we want to just talk about what we've done to our portfolios? Because I've basically made a hedge. I know Chris has, and I think Jordan, you're still contemplating things. Yeah, I could. Um, I mean, I could put a hedge on during this show. You know, if we get, you know, I mean. Preferably, I'd like to hedge in the green, um, which looks like we're getting pretty green right now. Uh, um, yeah, we're uh, the Dow's up sixty-five points according to my chart. Yeah, Wait, <laughs> sixty-five it can't be points. The name of this episode is "Market Crash Imminent." How when market, hey, when market crashes, when the markets crash, they can crash up and they can crash down. Oh, um, is that what we're saying now? <laughs> I, no, no. Look, this, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I just. I told you before we went on, Jordan, I feel like this is a time where generally I think the stock market goes up and I and stonks always go up, as they say. But I don't think the sentiment over the next week or so is going to be good. I don't I, other than we have the looming like the Fed can come out and start buying stonks or, you know, we, we've, we, I tweeted this morning. I, I was expecting Mnuchin or Powell to go on TV saying, yeah, it's all we're buying stocks. But instead, the FDIC came out to make an announcement to kind of push things up. You want, do you want to talk about that? You you knew they would have something, the Volcker rule. And this this was – like everyone knew this was happening today, but they didn't know exactly what was going to be clarified with these Volcker rule kind of regulations being loosened up. And, and I don't think we need to get the nitty-gritty of it. The bottom line is banks are going to be allowed to do a lot more than they have been able to do under the Volcker rule. And they really are loosening up the restrictions on the types of derivatives and how banks can invest um, and the various things that they can do, which is just a big net positive for banks. Um, that's all the there banks. is to it. Yeah, and, and, and listen. And, and the banks were up 2% immediately on the news, uh, all of them, JP Morgan, Citibank, um, Wells Fargo. It basically, you know basically it lets them happen? not have to have cash reserves when they're moving money around, uh, and they, they also can invest in things like venture capital-type funds uh, without without the regulations that they had before. So who, who knows what this is going to do for the, like, financial crisis that could happen, but... 
Yeah, I mean, is it so, good or so is it? Do we end up with a bunch more soft banks? You know. Well, it t- listen. In the short term, it's a way to get more money into the market. I mean, that's right. all the Fed cares about. There's, they're looking for every conceivable way to flush this market with money and capital. It's, it's political. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to politicize it. It just is what it is, right? Um, but why don't we talk just about this debate? This is not, this is a difficult time to figure out what on earth is going to happen in the next 24 to 72 hours to next week, the two weeks. I mean, I have been on the Discord channel and I'm really enjoying um, really the debate going back and forth. If you, those of you guys that don't know, uh, Dumb Money Discord channel. How do you get to our Discord channel, Dave? Is there like an address to it or how does if, that work? Well, you can, you can. If you know how to use Discord, you can go there. But to be allowed into a Discord, you need an invitation. And so we've set up a special invitation link for our viewers. If you go to dumbmoney.tv slash Discord, you can uh, get that invitation and join our server. But there, there's a spirited debate going on, and I'm really enjoying it in our second wave channel, the second wave news channel of Discord. I'm actually, just before the show started, uh, I was reading uh, Sue Generis. Uh, when people start dying in hospital hallways due to healthcare system overwhelm, things will change. Uh, countries and states have not been through this, uh, know what to, that have been through this, know what to do. New York City, they sanitize everything. Basically, and then there's a flood of conversation about, you know, because Wall Street has has kind of ignored all this, quite honestly, right? Yeah. We talked about this yesterday when we were just chatting. Uh, the news on the Today Show yesterday was the Hudson River Valley, or two days ago, the Hudson River Valley reopening. All the little shops are getting ready to reopen, and everybody in the Northeast is excited uh, after being stuck at home for three or four months. But, you know, the market is geographically concentrated. Uh, they are biased for the most part, based on what's happening in the Northeast. Uh, This is not a local problem that we're having here in Texas. We now have Florida, North Carolina, Texas, Arizona, uh, Florida, uh, excuse me, California uh, is coming on board with this second wave, or really what's our first wave. And this is half the country, guys. I mean, I sent you a chart yesterday, Dave. The areas that are getting deeply impacted by this wave of the virus um, uh, represent roughly 40 to 50 percent of the brick and mortar stores uh, presence for North America. So this is potentially way more impactful than, you know, the March, April phase of what happened in terms of how this could potentially impact consumer behavior, um, how it can potentially impact that large swath of the economy that crosses consumers. So listen, I think we're still a bit in denial. Uh, This wave mostly is comprised of young people. What that means is that I think the length of time between positive rates spiking and people dying, mortality, is probably going to be a bit longer than what we saw the first time around when people were waiting a lot longer to get tested. So people that were getting tested in the first wave in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania um, and Seattle, if you recall that, people were only getting tested after they got very, very sick, right? Um, And they were very old. They were average age in their mid-60s. Now people are getting tested way younger Right. And way earlier in, in because they're, they're pro- proactively getting tested because they heard about a friend who is sick. 
or they saw it on the news. So we're capturing these positive tests earlier, meaning that there's going to be a much longer period of time uh, that we're going to have to wait to see mortality rates tick up, which, by the way, Florida just announced their uh, 84 deaths today. It looks like they're finally starting to tick up um, in Florida. But because of that, I think a lot of people are saying, you know what? Maybe this wave isn't as deadly. Also, quite honestly, the treatments have gotten a little bit better. Uh, we do know how to better uh, keep people alive and hopefully get people back out of the hospital and, and not have the mortality rate be alive. But as long as there is a mortality rate, uh, and I don't think the mortality uh, conversion rate from positive tests to mortality is going to drop by more than 20, 30, 30, 40 percent. As long as that rate exists, if we continue to see this growth uh, in positive cases, the mortality will start to accelerate again. Uh, Jordan, I don't know if it's this week, uh, starting to happen later this week or maybe early next week, but I'm fairly confident that is going to happen. And when people see that, uh, that will cause additional fear. And let's let's be honest, this is all about fear, right? The economy and consumers. Uh, beyond that, it's pretty evident right now, hospitals are definitely feeling, is that unde undebatable at this point, right? Hospitals, you can check seeing some of these numbers in Texas and Florida and Arizona, like hospitals are massively filling up as in the last 24 hours, what was it like eight or nine of the, of the 14, uh, is it med cities here in, in Texas are completely full now? I think yeah, I, it, you was, know, it was seven of the 13 medical city hospitals completely full um, yeah. and, and some at 125% capacity. Um, we just learned that yesterday. And look, you know, the I mean, the deaths are awful, right? Um, obviously, we don't want anyone to die. Uh, but as far as, you know, investing is concerned, I don't really think that that is what the focus needs to be on. I think it's all about, um, you know, the, the infection rate leads the hospitalization rate. And then once you see those two things happen, um, you see hospitals fill up, then that's when you see governments take action. Um, and that's when consumers stop spending. And so that's that's the concern. And Jordan, and, and that's probably because the, the one sort of fear that you kind of can't maneuver around as a governor or as a mayor um, is in a hospital. Like, what if? What if the hospitals actually filled up? Remember in New York, we got very close but never really got to that point where we need to aggressively use those ships. If we actually got to a point where they did fill up and people were turned away from a hospital— it would be chaos in the streets. So at that point, yes, the government says we are shut down. You are sheltering in place, right? Yeah. You are not leaving your house. Like at that point, it's game over in terms of, oh, you know, we, we want our personal freedoms and this and that. Like if, the, if people, if your dad or if you have a heart attack and the ambulance says we have no place to bring you, that's it. Like, that's when it becomes undebatable. So what scares me a little bit about this whole thing is not necessarily what's happening this week or maybe even next week. But I see there's like two parts to this second wave or first wave that we're having here, Texas, Florida, California, Arizona. The first way, the first part of it is young people because they are the people that have been going to bars and restaurants and clubs. And quite honestly, they are not at risk of getting really sick. So they, they're not really caring about being close to their friends and getting sick. And so I think most back out during the reopening and the, it's basically 20 to 39 year olds is the, the half of the people coming down positive at this point, right? Yes. But the second, the second part of this, Dave, 
are all of those young people uh, that are about to, or maybe in the last few days, have already um, uh, infected their parents, their uncles, their aunts, uh, their, their, their co-workers, uh, the person at their local shop or restaurant, or just people in their neighborhood. Um, and that is scary because I think if we're approaching hospital, uh, hospital utilization right now, uh, if, if we're kind of you know, right at the edge, what happens if that part two hits, which are the 50, 60, 70 year olds, and they start getting infected and they need a hospital bed starting in a week and a half or two weeks from now? That is, in my mind, the catastrophe situation that could make this episode title actually true. Um, and did you see that Facebook post today from our community, Dave, our community Facebook uh, um, uh, you know, chatter page? It was someone that was in need of plasma. Mm. Because they had, uh, I think it was 13, was it 13 kids or 9 or 10 kids in this family had all tested uh, positive on a family, it was like a family reunion or something like that. It was just one kid that thought he was in construction. I say kid, he's probably in his 20s, I don't know. He was in construction and he thought he had just a cough from the, from the dust, but he actually had this. Um, and he was positive and got everybody else infected, including older family members. Uh, and now, you know, they're in a need, desperate need for plasma. Last night, my wife, a friend of a friend, same thing on Facebook here in the community. Uh, she's eight months pregnant and is in desperate situation uh, in the ICU right now um, and asking for people to pray for her. And literally, this woman looked like she was in her upper 30s. Uh, to maybe low 40s max, but pro probably mid to late 30s. So um, I'm worried about part two of this, quite honestly, in a week, week and a half. And maybe we get vaccine news between now and then. Uh, we probably do. But if we don't and we this doesn't get better, it could get kind of ugly, right? I mean, it's, it's tail risk that has to be considered here. And do you think the market is really seriously contemplating that tail risk right here? I don't think so. No, and, and that's and that's exactly why I took the position that I did. And I was late to do it. Chris Chris is always the first to jump in with a with a short. Uh, I was late. I did it yesterday. I uh, am short ten thousand shares of the Dow as of today. And how am I doing in that? I have not even checked. Um, and let's be fair, that short is, is is a hedge. It's still a relatively short hedge against your very long portfolio, right? Yes. And, okay. and, and earlier today, I was up, uh, the last time I checked, I was up $10,000. Now I'm down $60,000. Well, uh, listen, Dave, I have a huge hedge. It's 50% of my portfolio, but it's still only 50% of my portfolio, my yeah. long portfolio. Now, now my I have 30,000 shares of the Dow uh, hedge, DIA, just with a short position. I have 30,000 shares of Dave & Buster's hedge. Uh, short, just straight short. I have 10,000 shares of Cheesecake Factory short. Um, I do have 300. I had 200 contracts on Disney put contracts, the $15 puts that expired this Friday. When Disney popped back up this morning, uh, when the Volcker rule news came out, mm -hmm. I was like, this rule doesn't impact Disney. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that. So I added 100 contracts. So now I have 300 contracts uh, short. Um, for uh, not short, 300 put contracts on Disney as well. Uh, I think I have a few puts on Cheesecake Factory. Uh, again, all this expiring tomorrow. 
I'll, I think we have to have a whole nother conversation about what we're doing going into this weekend. Let's yeah. not talk about that right now. That's a big conversation. That is a more complex trade. Um, but I, even with all those shorts, uh, I still, my account is long, right? I'm a, I'm a hundred percent long. I have about a $17 million long portfolio and I have about a eight and a half million dollar, uh, short hedge on that. But I will say this, my long portfolio, because I got rid of all those bounce back stocks is now mostly focused uh, on stocks that theoretically would not get hammered um, if we had a major retraction in the market that was due to a second wave. Stocks like Amazon and Peloton and, and GAN, right, uh, which is debatable how well GAN does in that situation. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I'm I I doing too. So basically my entire portfolio is long, primarily concentrated in Amazon, but then Apple, GAN, Tesla, Restoration Hardware, Netflix. I feel like those are going to do better than the average Dow Jones industrial average, right? So that's that's where I'm sitting and and I also have you know roughly 50% of my portfolio hedged by that uh that DIA short position because I figure in worst case scenario uh the stock market goes down, I'm going to I'm not going to have as many losses in my longs, but long term I want to be in these stocks. And in addition, so the only other thing that I'm short right now, it's not short, it's uh, some puts in Cheesecake Factory uh, that expire tomorrow. Um, and then because I like stocks like Peloton and Zoom, I'm actually uh, short some puts. So I'm that, that's, a, that's a long position that I would be happy buying some Peloton at a discounted price if it were to uh, go down. I'd be buying it at a premium. But basically, instead of buying Peloton last week, I am—I have the right to buy it at a better price than it was trading last week. That is so fancy of you, Dave. I just—you <laughs> love keeping it simple. Me, it, it confuses me when I just have to. Th- every time you know, I, and I've been trading options since I was 13 years old, and every time I hear shorting puts, sell, I'm, I have to work it out in my b- stupid brain. No, I do too. I do too. I literally, is. I literally have to think, okay, I'm willing to, I'm, I'm willing to be obligated to buy it at this price. If it were to, if that were to be a bad thing, I'm still willing to buy it at that price. That's, I, and that's why whenever, whenever I, whenever I tell you that's what I've done, I always re-explain it to you so that you know what I've done, because I know that the gears in your head are just a little rusty. <laughs> <laughs> So true. So true. Um, okay. So let, let me just say something. This uh, this hedge that we made, because I think people get confused sometimes. This is not out of surety. Uh, we don't really know for sure what's going We never know for sure, right? No one knows for sure what's going to happen. It's not about surety. It's about probability. Um, we feel like there is some tail risk in the market. Uh, that the data that we're staring at, and we're running through scenarios, we always teach and praise, you know, run through all of your scenarios. And we've run through all the scenarios of what could happen over the next 24 hours, 48 hours, uh, three to seven days. And when we run through those scenarios, there are a whole bunch of them that result in the market getting pummeled. And what I mean by pummeled is not getting 
thrown down 20% or 15%, but you know, the market going down four, five, six, seven, eight percent like that, that, that's a, that's a, that's more than a theoretical possibility uh, when we have the type of information that we're looking at. So we don't know that that's going to happen. We don't know this Volcker rule loosening is going to be as dramatic as it was today. Um, we have no idea, but the risk is out there and we make the best decision that we can on our own portfolios based on what we're seeing. Now, we'll we'll see how it all plays out over the next few days, right? We, we've made some mistakes over the past few months, but more times than not, we were right to do the things that we ultimately did. Um, this weekend's a whole different story, though. This weekend is making me really nervous because yeah, you, you can't, there's really no way to trade it. And by the way, the reason, well, go ahead. No, there's, there's just no way to know what kind of news cycle. It all comes down to news cycles, really. We know that Generally, the economy wants to come back, but we're going to have to slow things down or things are just going to naturally slow down as, as the news of more infections and, and positive cases and, and people start to go from... Remember when, when this uh, whole thing became real, when Tom Hanks and baseball shut down and all of that happened in that short period, that became real and people were willing to stay inside for a little bit? And then... Yeah. Then everything was like, well, I've stayed inside. I did my part. We saw the curve flatten. It's time to go back outside. And and I feel like we're gonna it, we're now gonna get to that point where it it kind of ebbs and flows, and we're gonna get to the point where people are going to now know a handful of people that tested positive in their immediate uh, social network, uh, or in their community, or in their you know on Facebook. They're gonna have friends. You know, we and and that again makes it more real. And maybe they're gonna take and so. It, we don't know it, how to predict the news cycle. We don't know how to predict the, you know, any of that. All we can do is look at the data and we see that the, the trend is things like uh, searches on Google for COVID testing near me are every single day higher than the day before. It's amazing, by the way, because they're so high. I, I was utterly shocked that they continue to go up every day. Like every day this week, they've continued to climb in Florida, Texas, California, like utterly shocked to see that. Um, but listen, Dave, I, I, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, one of the things that we do as social arbitrators is we focus heavily on social, right? And the one great thing about social is that social actually precedes data because it's behavioral. So although it's dirtier data, it's noisier data, it's more difficult data to interpret. It is the data that is not only closest to real time, but in many cases precedes real time because it's not about what people are doing today. It's about what people are likely to do tomorrow. And what I mean by that is if you really pay attention just to your own uh, you know, network on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, what you will recognize over the past few days especially in these states like Texas, Florida, California, Arizona, is tremendous pressure, tremendous social pressure to do the right thing. Uh, tremendous, you're seeing for the first time in Texas, I told this story, you know, back in April, I'm from New York, so I have a lot of family and friends in New York, and I would spend half my day talking to them, and, you know, my mom would tell me that her gardener 
has 13 people uh, with this disease in his network and family. And literally, no joke, the same day, our good friend Lynn uh, told me that his gardener, this is not making this up, mm-hmm. told me that his gardener here in Texas did not know a single person. Now, I don't know. I didn't realize people talk to their gardeners this, this often. I need to start talking to my gardener more often. Like, I don't have that kind of relationship with my gardener. It's but, a social art data me, point that you just have ignored. You Yes, <laughs> but what's amazing about that, what I took from that, is people in Texas, they did not even believe that this thing like was real. Yes, they occasionally saw something on the news or the Today Show talking about the catastrophe that was going on in New York and New Jersey, but it was so far away from them that they didn't even think it was real. Well, for the very first time over the last few days, guys, our social network here has been blowing up with the most tragic stories. Um, our favorite, one of our favorite places to eat, Burger House, yeah. um, been going there for 30 years. Dave, you've been going there for lo- probably longer than I have. because I, I yeah, lived I've here lived in, in the neighborhood longer than you. Yeah. So yeah, I've been going there my entire life. And it's, it's a place that has been around since the 50s. It's a place that my mom used to go to when she was growing up in this neighborhood. And so it's like a local... It's a local family-run business. The owner, I think, lives on my block, and yes, he does. It's uh, um, it, it's it's I, tragic, but the the uh, the guy who works the window at this walk-up kind of walk-up drive-through years, thing every day for fifteen years. He knew my name. Do you know your name? Like he wouldn't tell me. He my knew order. my name. He said, "Hey, Dave, are you, are you going to have your usual the double double?" Yeah, exactly. He knew he knew what I wanted every single time. His only question was <laughs> milkshake today. <laughs> that's awesome but he yeah, uh, so... he tragically died last week or this yes. week and, and he died of this of this disease um and even worse and i had a suspicion because the restaurant had closed down about uh, a month ago uh for a week and my suspicion uh was that they had closed down due to a case uh he not only died but more, and he, I don't know how old he was. He's I would say fifties to maybe sixty max. But I, I don't know. I don't think he was older than sixty. I don't think. But he could have been. He um, was, yeah, he was probably ten years older. Fifty five, I would say. Fifty five years old. More tragically, his son in law uh, also got it. I don't know if he got it from him. I think his son in law probably worked there as well. Uh, he got it and died as well. So well, and, uh, and he was he was basically the the whole family was living together and so it was it was a household where one case led to another yes. and yes. they both died. Uh, the only bit of good news is uh, this place is so special to our neighborhood uh, that we set up uh, someone set up a GoFundMe account and in less than a day they raised four, we raised forty thousand dollars for his family which is which is nice. But what I'm trying to say here is that. If you don't, you guys don't know our neighborhood. It, it, it's it's essentially relatively conservative, relatively conservative, kind of like the Beverly Hills of Texas or Dallas. Um, and, and quite honestly, there are a lot of people in our neighborhood that kind of blew this whole thing off. And and I'm not going to say that they're full on deniers, but a lot of people that are not super concerned about. That's all. Yeah. Um, and these are like very close friends, and they're the greatest people in the world. I love our neighborhood. Um, but things like this. Uh, really tend to wake up a neighborhood. And just in the last 24 hours, more posts of people that are connected to people in the neighborhood that are in the hospital in critical condition. And I think what's going to happen is that is going to set off 
uh, that consumer behavior is going to set off a change in how people interact with retailers and restaurants and Six Flags if they ever open up, right? And 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 their trips, the you know the trips that they were going to go on, that maybe they're going to take a pause, maybe they won't get on the that flight, you know, next month. Uh, they're certainly not getting on a flight to New York because they won't let us travel there. Yeah, but no, as, as we saw, <laughs> we saw the TSA numbers. Travel was starting to come back. The airlines were way, way off where they should have been yeah. for the summer, but we started to see them creeping back. And now, like all bets are off. Is there any chance? I mean, unless you have to travel, you're not you're not going to get on an airplane, right? And, and Dave, do you know what a really interesting sign, a data point that is fairly close to real time? And I saw this uh, this data all over the place in the last couple of days. It was in our Discord channel. I actually had a close friend I, I admire and respect in the hedge fund industry. He sent it to me, which is fascinating because, you know, he works in one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. And they're obviously looking at the same data that we're looking at. It was the open table data, the mm -hmm. open table data for reservations, real time reservation data um, in uh, Texas, in some of these hot zone areas. Uh, fell off a cliff in the last few days, right? So it, it just started to really accelerate. And right as it was starting to really accelerate, and by the way, we've seen this at our bar and restaurant, like the last couple weeks, things were starting to like accelerate in terms of like, we were holding weights at our restaurant to get in. Um, uh, outside, people would wait outside. <laughs> so uh, now people are like, whoa, 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 okay, okay, okay. I'm not, let's not go to the restaurant. Let's order it right this week. So just one tidbit of, of consumer behavioral data, but is that a sign of what's to come over the next, call it one to five weeks, one to six weeks? And if so, what type of impact will that have on 50% of the country? And then I think the concern there is even though we know it's a first wave, Let's be honest, Wall Street's kind of viewing this as a second wave. Will that cause concern about what is likely to be a second wave in the Northeast, maybe not now or this summer, but come September or October or November, right? Um, and in terms of they're going to be like, well, wait a second. So you're telling me that we're going to contract that much when this happens? This is going to give you a really ugly next six to eight months, right? And that, we should have known that, right? But it's just kind of more in your face. This is going to be. This is going to actually be an ugly six to eight months. Here's some of that data that you were talking about from Open Table. You can see that on uh, the 21st, everything was down 41 percent, followed by the next day 66 percent, 65 percent, 63 percent. That's in the United States, and you can see um, other countries there. There are more restaurants open for reservations now, taking reservations, than there had been previously. But and and, and Dave, if you look at the at the at that like uh, that line graph I sent you just for the hot zone, the hot spots of like I forget what it was, like Texas or something, it was so much more severe than that. It like oh, absolutely, it was jumping up and then it just completely fell off a cliff. And so you listen, send me so many I, things I can't I cannot possibly find everything that you send me. But so, I have our text strain. <laughs> we'll, we'll, listen, the market, as we know, loves to climb a wall of worry, right? Um, but be, and I get that. But not necessarily when the data starts to really accelerate and becomes, uh, 
what I would consider to be severe, severely impact, uh, you know, consumer trends. So I think that there's a risk of that happening over the next few weeks. Uh, and I will likely remain pretty cautious over the next few weeks unless we get amazing vaccine news, which, by the way, I actually think is a higher than 50-50 chance that we're going to get some vaccine news that will be amazing right I think, no i think that we're, we've amazing. been waiting we've been waiting for that oxford study we, there's there's so much news that could come that that is i i don't know when or how much it's going to have an impact but you know that as soon as there is positive news or even news perceived as positive that the market wants to rally um now we do have a fourth of july holiday weekend coming up which traditionally the the days leading into that holiday weekend are are positive in the market I think that uh, this could be a very different time, but I, I don't know what to do. And that's what we really have to talk about. What are we going to do well, with our portfolios over the weekend? Can I just say one thing of the weekend? And I want to give credit. I was actually looking at this, and I'll give credit to another person in our Discord channel. This is what's so great about our Discord channel is that people are surfacing meaningful events and meaningful information all the time. So even if you're not on top of it, um, there are amazing, um, really investigative type minds in that Discord channel that will surface things for you. And I'm so glad that someone surfaced this in the Discord because I was looking into it and I, I didn't even think to surface it for everybody else. Uh, but there is a Chinese vaccine manufacturer, um, uh, CNBG, China National Biotech Group, okay? They are about to initiate phase three trials of their vaccine and they are going to announce they've already announced one part of the two-part phase two trial they're going to announce the second piece uh of that data this sunday i don't have any idea what they're going to announce i don't know what they're going to talk about uh, it might just be the fact that the, the, the data shows that it was safe. They might go deeper into the data and actually share information with us uh, relative to what type of immune response uh, they were getting from uh, that phase two trial. Uh, it, you never know with these Chinese companies because they're just not super transparent. But that potentially has the ability to move the market significantly Monday morning. And I know it's China, but you have to understand something. If that news is really positive on Sunday and it creates, you know, a positive momentum for the Chinese stock market going into Monday, that will reflect positively on the U.S. market most likely, I think, because, hey, if they're seeing positive news with their big vaccine, that's just one more sign that we're likely to see positive news with our big vaccine um, right, whether it's AstraZeneca over in Europe at Oxford or whether it's the J&J uh, one here. Uh, there's just so many. Right. And if that's having a positive uh, impact on the Chinese market, well, our market's likely to get positively impacted when we get our news. So, again, these things are on the mind of every single investor, every institution, every hedge fund. Uh, and that is a risk factor to the upside. That could happen this Sunday, and it's something that we need to be thinking about as investors if we're going to protect our account. Well, you might want to protect it, and I'm going to protect my account over the weekend, no doubt. I'm actually thinking about keeping my short hedge through the weekend. Okay, let me just talk through this. And also buying calls, 
and I can't buy calls on the Dow that expire Monday, but I can buy calls on the SPY that expire Monday. So I'm considering buying calls on the, the, the SPY that expire on Monday to hedge my hedge. Oh my gosh. Okay? My, mind just, my, my mind just exploded. <laughs> I, I can't. So the, the math on that though is you're betting against yourself. You're, you're paying a premium for those calls that unless it really goes up, you're, you're gonna have a hard time doing well on. And you're well, also so you cutting into- So you could buy the calls on the, on the IWM because it's got a higher beta. So it might, uh, it might outperform your, uh, you know what I mean? Well, the problem is, Jordan, that I want to buy calls that expire on Monday because okay. option premium pay as little as possible, yeah, way less. So yeah. I, because of that, I, to get out of the money calls that expire on Monday, and I probably would get at or slightly out of the money, which is not yeah. normally what I do, but for a hedge, it's yeah. something that I would be willing to do. Um, and that way, if I get caught on the wrong side of this this weekend, we get that positive vaccine news that we've been waiting. What if we get like double vaccine news this weekend? What if we get the Chinese data out, which is positive? That sends the Chinese market up, right? And then we also get maybe the Oxford study news out or some other. There's like there's so many vaccine manufacturers at a certain point here. We're just going to be getting good va vaccine news twice a week at some point right well, and, and here's from so, from the uh from the chat i think you're being overly optimistic about vaccine news we might get one in 24 months or not at all as has been the case with other illnesses i think though we're going to see we're going to see news and whether it's yeah. it, it still could take 12 to 24 months to make it uh you know to to manufacture enough doses to get it out there but the news is going to drive the market okay so let, let's just get something clear you might not believe it and I'm, that's totally fine, but there are a multitude of vaccine manufacturers now that are saying they are going to be producing hundreds of millions of doses by the end of this year, period. You might right. not believe that that will be a good vaccine, but that's yeah. happening. So, well, so hasn't J&J already announced that they're making they're, they're going into production on something that they feel like it might be good yes, and might yes. pass the test, but yeah, they're going they to have, have it ready so, to go so regardless? AstraZeneca, yeah. AstraZeneca yeah. is saying hundreds right. of millions of doses. The right. Chinese are doing hundreds of millions of doses. So like, Enough of this 12 to 24 months, but now listen, it might be 12 to 24 months before a real vaccine works. That's possible, but they are manufacturing stuff that will be ready by the end of this year or Q1. Whether it works or not, we don't know. But yeah. but we can't we can no longer say oh it takes twelve to twenty four months that's not how they're doing these vaccines yeah they're guys, ba they're right? basically okay. doing their manufacturing to front run that um, that uh, approval process and then they're just open the yeah. approval goes through. yeah and what really matters is not whether or not the data is real or can be trusted it what matters is how the market's going to react to a press release which is usually how these things are released now yeah. they're not even released in terms of like actual scientific papers it's just a press release but if they if they, they're going to release it in a press release they're going to skew the data positive they're going to highlight the best parts of it the media wants a feel-good story the market certainly does as well and they're going to pump that story and i think if and when that news comes out it's going to be a big positive pop for the market and believe me it's on my mind with half my portfolio hedge so I don't like going over the weekend. It's a long weekend. I like to be able to relax over the weekend knowing I'm not going to get screwed on Monday morning, right? So I am happy to pay a little bit uh, of premium that's going to potentially go, you know, disappear, which would give up some of my profits, right, on the other side, knowing that I can sleep through the weekend. And if the big one hits, 
If we get that big thousand point move up on vaccine news or 1200 point move up, I'm not going to be totally left in the dust on it. That's all. All right. So so I, I that's my trade. That's my likely trade going into the weekend. Keeping your DIA short, buying S&P, uh, SPY calls, and some people in the uh, comments, and I missed it too. What What is the Chinese stock that you mentioned? The Chinese uh, biotech? Yeah, so so guys, that that is... Um, is CNBG? Uh, China, China National Biotech Group, CNBG. I don't think that's a ticker. That's just what yeah, they go by. Yeah, I can't get um, a uh, that's quote not their on that. Ticker, yeah. And so th- they're going to be they're going to be running phase three clinical trials uh, in the United Arab Emirates. And the reason why they're running them there is because there's so few people with this virus in China that they can't run a phase three study. So if anyone's doubting that China has no longer has the virus, don't doubt them. They actually no longer have the virus because they're having to go to the UAE just to run a phase three study to find people that have the virus. That is the best proof you will ever get (laughs) ever that there's people with that they they don't have a rampant virus going in China right now. That that if you if you hardcore clamp down, lock down the country, you can actually beat the thing. Absolutely. Dave, you don't even need to be that hardcore. Like we've said this a million times. And and honestly, I know Nassim Taleb is a controversial guy and all that stuff. But, you know, I like him. Uh, Nassim Taleb did this mathematical study that I can't interpret. I mean, my man Jordan <laughs> might be able to. I, uh, I, can't, and, I can't do the math that that guy can do. Come on. But a bunch of weird symbols and stuff that make no sense. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he put out a tweet a couple of weeks. For those of you guys that don't know, we talked about Nassim Taleb wrote Black Swan. It's a book you got to read if you haven't read it. Um, but it, he basically said, according to my math, if everybody were to wear a face mask when they're out interacting with each other, 100% like 100% um, of everyone doing it, right, mandating, that the virus would completely be destroyed over this period of time. Like, gone, guaranteed, gone, done. Like, we would wipe it out. And he's like, prove me wrong. Now, I, I didn't continue to read that thread to see if someone was able to prove him wrong, but I thought it was fascinating that he actually did the math based on the degree to which face masks are generally generally uh, uh, thought to, to reduce viral transmission um, and was able to basically tell over this amount of time if everybody were forced to wear one, the virus would completely go away, which is fascinating to me. Which because, if that information is out there, it's almost criminal that we haven't put a requirement in, right? Um, and I think it's totally irresponsible if a business lets, you know, especially, you know, busy businesses, grocery stores and things, that they let people in without them. Yeah, so we, just you know, my restaurant reopened. For those of you who don't know, Chelsea Corner, we closed down. We had a positive case. We did the right thing. The Dallas Morning News wrote an article on us and a couple other restaurants really? praising us for doing the right thing, although that was super cool. Um, we got everybody tested. Cost us like three or $4,000. I got everybody tested. Um, uh, there's a few people we're, we're waiting on like final, final test today, but everyone that was cleared is now back at work. We've reopened. And if you don't have a face mask, when you get to our restaurant, we hand you one at the front door. So like yeah. you, you have to wear one now in Dallas when you're walking through the restaurant. But how do you so, eat? That's what I don't understand about eating indoors at a restaurant. It makes no sense to me because you wear a mask when you walk in, but you're, you're six feet away from the table next to you, but there's stuff floating around. There's yeah, Dave. There's when, you're, when you're sitting at the, when you're sitting at your table, 
with the group of people that you came in with, you take the mask off. I think that's yeah. fine. Because yeah, but- you're walking around and moving around, and if you're a waiter, you wear the mask. Um, but do you have but, a yeah. barricade between you and, and the table next to you? Do you have your no, own no, air, air conditioning system? Point, it's not perfect. You're just trying to get rid of as many low as, as many high risk situations as you can. I get yeah, it. No, Dave, I'm not going Dave, to a restaurant though. I, Dave, I know, but we don't. I'm not either. But we don't sit you next to anyone. So you have a table in mid, in our place. You're like usually way more than six feet away from yeah. the next table. So it's not. Listen, it's it's everything is an imperfect system. But people can make their own. You know, they they make their own decisions. But I think. I think we've done a really good job, um, and most people at our restaurant sit outside anyway. Um, but you know what's amazing to me? We have a friend who works at one of the big hospitals here um, in an ICU unit. Uh, I think in an ICU, yeah, in an ICU unit, and she got her her test this week, and she tested negative. She has been wearing obviously full PPP equipment, face mask uh, every mo- second she's been at work. It's amazing that she's been around that environment for three and a half months and not only doesn't have this but doesn't even have any antibodies meaning she was never infected with it over the past three and a half months is that crazy isn't that, that is. nice so you hear, to know you hear anecdotal stories too about did you hear about the uh, the hairdresser lady that um had covid um yep. but wore a mask the whole time saw like a hundred people and because she was wearing a mask and i'm assuming that a certain portion of the people that she was uh uh, working with wore a mask also that nobody else became infected. I think I think that's I think it's listen it's, it's, it's a positive sign. It's it, it's super contagious, but it is manageable if you are just cautious. And I think like, that why is, are we putting that information out like literally everywhere? Like, hey, here's the case study. Here's here's Jordan, information. Like, we don't look, need the weird. We don't need the weird case study from Arkansas. How about looking to the entire country? Of, of of like South, South Korea, Korea and Taiwan. How about Taiwan and all these? I just feel like I feel like people here, and I could be wrong, relate to people that are you know from America, right? And so you you see the people across the seas, and you're like, you know, I just don't really identify with that person as much um, for whatever reason. I I don't have a problem making that you know mental connection, but apparently people do. Um, Man, but so, for, but for all the positive. People, you know, people who are masked in hospitals and the the medical staff being able to um, not get the virus. There are also cases because this thing is like a perfect virus. It is designed to basically sneak up on you and not have symptoms. And so, if you don't have symptoms and you talk to someone who, you know, is susceptible, you it, you can transmit it. And so, as for as many cases of medical professionals wearing masks preventing it, there are also the people who are at doctor's offices and have gotten it. So, and that, and that's yeah. something we're starting to see is healthcare workers are getting more and more cases because they were exposed by someone who didn't have symptoms and wasn't even there because they were, you know, going in because they wanted to test or, or you know, they were for, there for some unrelated reason. And that's why if you're not wearing a mask with any interaction with another human, you're, you're at risk. Yeah, Dave, and that story you shared with us last night from a friend of yours from inside the system was pretty scary about how the, the workers were really becoming terrified um, and about how, you know, just the extent to which the hospital systems were really getting tense down here. And by the way, as I mentioned this morning, I, I know, call me crazy, I know I'm neurotic about this stuff, but I think 
maybe somebody you know how you get like the viral load some people have such a small viral load they barely get sick i think maybe someone blew one of my construction workers in my house in the backyard maybe blew a little COVID in my nose because my nose has been so dry the last week i'm like worried about it but i have no other symptoms and maybe how- i just got like a tiny bit of viral load in my nose and it hasn't moved to my chest i don't know how's your sense of I mean, smell you know how- can you smell and you know taste how- i I trust me, I could smell now now that you said that I need to do a smell test you need after to do this a smell test. just to make sure yeah but I can I can definitely taste I can definitely t- I had watermelon last night it was the best it was one of those mini watermelons from Whole Foods and it was one of the best watermelons I've ever had it was great um, but I, I am a little concerned you know I ordered one of those uh, one of those blood type tests because I read an article that yeah, certain blood that types were more prone yeah I I ordered the test and did it. I pricked my finger and squeezed the blood out and did the whole thing. And guess what type of blood type I am? A plus, the one that's, oh, that's 50% the worst. more like, yeah, the, that's the one worst. that's 50% more likely to be on a ventilator. Could, yeah. What is the law? Of course that's going to be. I don't me. even know what my blood type is. I need to I, figure that out. I went. I looked at all my previous labs trying to find yeah. my blood type, and it was show. not on any of them. I was I, I was shocked. So Chris, where did you get this test? No, you, you have Amazon. Amazon. Order from Amazon. It comes next day. It's like I, I think it was like twenty eight dollars for two. So me and Amy both did ours. Um, it hurts a tiny bit more than you think a prick would hurt, but not really. So well, now there's the there's the do it yourself right? swab test. So you should probably swab yourself and and get no, tested. No, there's none for blood type. I checked. There's not for no blood type, but but for for COVID, you can get it. You can oh. you can test for for positive if you if you think you might be in that window of uh, being contagious. I, you should I probably be tested. Yeah, I, I just go. I think for, you should go to a professional for the one that the, the person blew in my nose from the backyard. I, I think it's possible. And because I, I've always been like ten after feet your away. construction workers were there, I came to your backyard, kept my eight feet between twelve feet between you and me to see your backyard project, and <laughs> uh, you may have given it to me now. <laughs> I will be so mad at you. <laughs> Can I just say I would love. More than anything else, I would love if I had a, just a tiny bit of the Rona, just enough to give me antibody. I, that would be like the best thing ever, just to have just enough to where my body was able to develop antibodies. I've, I've been through the cycle. It's, it's basically the equivalent of getting a vaccine, right? If you can just get a tiny bit and then keep your immune system up, it's like almost like doing your own vaccine trial, right? Uh, right? We'll, we'll see if you're... you're case study of one comes out accurate or not i'll i'll be surprised but i would love i yeah i, I kind of want to i'm definitely going to order myself a blood test and maybe uh self-diagnose myself some more i'm but, just telling you right now my mom is watching this and i'm going to get a call after this episode freaking out because she thinks i have the rona now because i said that but sandy if you're watching uh drop a comment in the uh, chat box <laughs> 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 oh my god I, this is this is the problem I am going I am delirious from not sleeping from researching this stupid second wave data day and night and trying to keep up with with <laughs> with the amount of stuff in our discord channel that's being surfaced and I just can't can I just say some I, I have to say this right now there are a lot of really great things that people are surfacing in our Discord channel and a lot of really great research. And a lot of times people are like, hey, Chris or Dumb Money, do you guys take a look at this? 
I totally want to. And I do. I mark down the ticker. It's there. I put it on my iPhone. I add it to my research list. I am so overwhelmed. I'm the type of person I like doing one thing well. Like I like I like focusing in on one thesis and I like to leave no I don't know, like no table. I turn over every table, like just go in so deep on it. I can't keep jumping ship to ship to all these different opportunities because it overwhelms me. Like I popped in the Peloton uh, channel last night for the first time in a couple weeks. And I just started thinking about Peloton again. I was like, I got to stop this. I don't have time for Peloton research right now. I'll worry about that like the week before earnings comes out, right? The next Peloton, which is going to be in like August. So just so understand I'm not ignoring all these new things. I just can't do everything, guys. I can't I can't be good. I'm not Jim Cramer. You can't just I don't do lightning. You can't be good at everything. <laughs> I pretend to know about a hundred stocks. I don't know. I don't know about a hundred stocks. I like I know about the thing that Can I we talk to- about the this yeah. the five stocks that you're most watching right now, the things that you're considering selling out of your portfolio or adding to your portfolio? I think that is I, what people I, are probably most interested in hearing. I do want to talk about one of those right now. I do want to talk about one. Well, I think you might need to replug in your internet. You're you're a frozen picture. I I could still hear you for a second. Oh, I thought he was just like sitting there smiling, leaving us in anticipation. <laughs> but he's gone. <laughs> we lost him. We we have lost him. Chris, I mean, he's still alive, hopefully. No, uh, he's definitely frozen though. Jiggle the internet cord, Chris. Do this, Chris. Jiggle it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've definitely lost him. If I'll call him on the phone, we'll get we'll get him back on the air. He, he's got a no. He actually dropped off now, so yeah. it's it's just us now. Uh, he, surely he knows how to rejoin. You would hope so, because we were just about to talk about the. Five, okay, he he has joined. He's a blue he is not box a now. Chris, turn on your camera, or at least say something to let us know you're there. It's a great ad for Skype. (laughs) (laughs) This is ridiculous. It's broken. Uh, Well, Jordan, what stocks are you looking at right now? I'm looking at at, um, picking up some FLIR today, maybe. I think I just saw the the ticker cruise across. um, And we've seen it's had a little pullback, um, but I don't really see for what reason. Um, It's, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not super cheap. It's trading at what, like a 40x but um so FLIR that for people who don't know is the thermal imaging ther- stock that, yeah, that they make basically they're the in only that. FDA approved um thermal imaging device um and so I think they've got a pretty good chance and um and the, the whole concept here is that you know with all these outbreaks and the secondary outbreaks and all this stuff that you're going to see businesses, airports, um, police station, like all sorts of people have these um, imaging cameras just so they can do. And again, it's not going to get people that are asymptomatic. Yeah. So so that's my thing. And uh, the rumor or the news, I'm not sure which state it's in right now, but LAX airport was going to install these thermal imaging systems and FLIR was going to be the provider. I don't know if that's true or just a rumor, but that's, that's the reason I saw it going up. Uh, and the reason I considered well, getting back not, in, right? Let's assume that they're going to get a certain percentage of all of the business that's out there. If they don't get the the LAX one, they'll get John Wayne, or you know, who who knows? But they'll get they'll get a certain chunk of them. And um, since they've got, like I said, since they've got the only FDA approved one, that's you know definitely you know a, a win for them. Um, now, is it effective? 
Well, that's I mean, that's where it comes in. It's effective if you're asymptomatic. It's not. But again, I mean, you're all about lowering the chances that you're going to spread the disease. Yeah. And that's just one more way to lower. It's not going to be 100 percent effective. But but that's um, one that, that I was in early on, but that I sold and I have not gotten yeah. back in because my concern is that there, there was initially a big push to install these thermal systems. But yep. then once science realized, well, there's there's a good chance that you could be contagious and have zero symptoms and not have a temperature. And it's a very limited window that you would have a temperature. It's not really an effective measure. Airports may install it anyway, because they also have a lot of security. It's just they're designed to make you feel yeah. like everything's mm -hmm. uh, safe. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I you think, know, well, taking your shoes off doesn't shoes, actually do anything. Yeah, if I were an airport, you know, if I were an airport, but if I ran an airport, if you were an airport, what would I do? Would I buy the FLIR or would I require face masks? Um, which which do I think would be more effective? I we know which would be mask. more effective exactly. So so face a face mask company that can distribute enough free face masks at the uh, at the TSA check line or at the door before you come in. Uh, Chris apparently keeps trying to join, but I'm just seeing his picture and not his face. I'm just going to call him. We'll we'll get him on. Tell the phone. him to reboot his internet. Um, he, he dropped again. <laughs> I, I I'm going to figure out what's wrong with this system. I'm going to just Skype. Off from my phone. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll see if that works. But no, that that. So I I was considering FLIR, but I didn't do it. Um, I actually sold my Peloton, considering getting back in. Um, I never really I was never in Zoom, so I'm I'm hoping to uh, to pick up some of that. And let's j jump into Chris here, who has just joined. Which which button do I put to get his uh, thing? Okay, looking good, Chris. Can we hear you is the bigger question. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All right, this is my iPhone, so it's uh, not terrible, right? No, it looks it looks fine. Okay, so I, 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 you know what the worst is? I was so excited to talk about FLIR, and then as <laughs> I'm getting disconnected and you can't hear me, Jordan's like, well, I want to talk about FLIR, and I can't even comment, and I'm having to like... Just no, Flair was mine. That was well, I was wanting to talk about Flair. No, now, I I'm just trying to I'm just trying to fill dead air that you uh, that you left behind. <laughs> Chris, why didn't you no, just no, jump no, into the great. comments? I you love, could have I you could love, have joined the conversation, appeared on the screen at least. I I love I love that you were uh, I I love that you did that that was the stuff you want to talk about, Jordan. Because here's the thing I so I read, you know, I was invested in Flair, but I didn't actually read their earnings transcript and i read it yesterday or two days ago i read the earnings transcript so i just want to get an idea of what was i missing here why is fleer kind of still at these depressed levels and it really hasn't popped up right um and what's fascinating is i truly believe that they are sandbagging in that last earnings call um they basically came out and were folk you know what i was worried about i was like what if fleer this thermal imaging stuff is just so small, it's not going to move the needle for FLIR. But it's not that small. It can move. The, you, if you read that earnings transcript, you start to realize that it absolutely can move the needle for them. It's really all a matter of their ability to increase the supply chain, right? To increase manufacturing, because it appears that demand is so strong for thermal imaging. And let's talk about the demand in a minute, but yeah. it's so strong that they had $100 million of orders, and they think it would take like multiple quarters to fill that, which is a huge problem. So here's the thing. They made a statement, 
on that earnings call. Uh, and I, I'm going to try to paraphrase what I recall the statement to be. In fact, oh, I was going to, I have it on my iPhone, but I can't access it because now I'm talking on my iPhone. Okay, so the statement was something to the tune of they are taking unprecedented steps to massively increase the the manufacturing and supply chain of their uh, thermal imaging devices, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that tells me is that they see the opportunity and they are proactively taking steps to jump on this opportunity. Now, from what I understand, FLIR has like the only fully approved version of this thermal imaging uh, for, for U.S. companies to actually actually use that in terms of its accuracy. So I think that FLIR is going to get every major deal from warehouses, manufacturing facilities, theme parks, schools, hospitals, government buildings, call centers. I mean, could you even imagine, the more you think about this, how many customers there are for FLIR? And I don't care whether or not, it obviously does not tell you if you have the virus. That's not what it's about. Yeah. This, if nothing else, it is a perceptional thing, right? You have to have it for perception. So I don't care whether it fixes anything. If you want to have your company open, and a lot of companies must be open, there's businesses where they absolutely must have people show up to, to, to you know, to, you know, cut chickens or whatever, right? Like manufacturing facilities, like they are not going to close down. They must show their employees that they care. They must be taking steps. And the easiest step to take, perhaps even the cheapest thing to, to, to do, even if it's a million dollars, is to install this thermal imaging stuff so that and it automatically kind of goes off when, you, when your temperature is dramatically different from those that are around you when you're walking into the building. And they actually release new software prior to this whole virus thing, right, which is beautiful timing that makes it even easier for it to automate the process of like alerting off when something is out of the ordinary. And here's what I love. Every single time you see this kind of uh, thermal imaging on the news the last few days, like if you saw it uh, at LAX, people are, are looking at the video at the local news and they could see the little FLIR icon on the bottom. That means FLIR got that business at LAX, yeah. I think. And so I looked last night and I tweeted this out this morning or last night. The uh, Disney Hong Kong that opened, okay, uh, that w- in the news report, the video of Disney Hong Kong reopening, you could see in the thermal imaging uh, screen, you could see that it was FLIR, right? So they got Disney. That means that FLIR is going to get Disney here in the U.S., okay? They're going to get Disney all over. And do you know when you get LAX and you get Disney, I mean, dude, th- could you imagine if they're – if there was any company you'd love to work for right now in sales, would it not be selling these thermal imaging deals at FLIR to Enterprise? No, no Is I, that I, not the easiest sale in the world right now? I, I agree, and I think you're right that they, they likely are sandbagging, but I just feel like it's it's fake security. It's 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 fake. It's It doesn't actually tell you if someone Look, has... Hey, I mean, Dave, I, I'd rather have an instant is, test. A lot of security is fake security. It's meant All to make people alone. feel better. Right? And Chris, you, you can't see what's on the screen right now, but uh, Len sent a text to the three of us that they have FLIR thermal imaging on his yacht for night running. They're, he's watching the show right now uh, and, oh, and sent a and picture. Appa- and apparently they're eating that crazy looking fish that they... Oh, that prehistoric looking thing? Yeah. 
I'll see if I can pull that up. I can't. I can't just freely scroll through our texts. So I have to. I have to prepare the shot and then come back to it. I'll see if I can find that. Oh thing. yeah, I would see. I would you know what's great, and, 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 and it, it, I, I would love to maybe have Lynn pop on, uh, you know, in our next episode or something. Because what's 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 fascinating about Fleer is the you know what's you know what's hurting them this quarter is their marine sales. That's what's killing them this quarter is their marine sales were way way down. Why were they way, way down? Because people couldn't build boats for a couple months, right? So the manufacturing just kind of halted for a couple months. Now, we all know that there was $3 trillion injected into the economy, okay? So we also know that at some point, well, we like to believe this is going to be over, right? And when this is over, the roaring 2020 starts, right? So we weren't focused on this, but do you know what a big part of the roaring 20s, 20s is going to be, I think? A lot more lens out there buying yachts, right? All right, there's gonna be. Don't you agree? People yes. are gonna want to get out, do all the things they always want to do, but kept pushing off over and over and over again. Oh, Link caught that on his yacht. I don't know what that thing. It looks like a, a turkey. What that is that? Caught. Well, it it turned into his afternoon snack turned today. In, it turned into a it turned into a dip for his uh, tortilla chips. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, guys, don't you think? People are going to be buying a lot more yachts the next five years. And guess what that's good for? The Marine Division at FLIR. And the Marine yep. Division is a pretty big division at FLIR. More boats, more yachts, all that stuff, thermal imaging. Um, and I think, what, Lynn, why do you need the thermal imaging? I'm trying to think. What, is it for catching fish? Is that, no, is it's, it for it's so they can navigate at night, I believe. For thermal? Huh. I don't know. I actually don't know. Yeah. It maybe it is. It says, oh, it says for night running. I don't know what running is in the boating world. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn now has all since since Lynn got in got into the whole yacht world. He has all this language he uses that we don't understand what he's talking <laughs> about, like stuff that captains use, like captain talk. Yeah. <laughs> and I by the way, I watch. Uh, you know, was it Under Deck? Was that show with the people on the yacht? Uh, Below, Below deck. deck. Below great, Deck. Great, great show. Dude, this season is amazing. By the way, like I, we saw it last night, dude. The, 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 the like the Russian girl on that show, like she's like the third crew or second crew. Dude, she is a I don't want to say it, she is terrible, but it's awesome to watch. <laughs> Chris loves the drama. Yeah. A anyway, listen, I I really like Fleer here because it is kind of this one. It's it's this interesting company that even once all this is over, uh, their regular business will be back. And if nothing else, you have to think that they'll come back trading where they were when this is all over because the rest of their business comes back. But the rest of the business doesn't come back. They have this awesome insurance policy and thermal imaging that I think is going to blow up over the next year. In fact, I think companies are probably going to do this whether or not they even care. Well, even if a vaccine comes out and cures everybody. Why not do this anyway to get people with fevers not to come to work at the meat processing facility? Because you know what? That's a great way to save money by not infecting everybody else, right, and losing employees. Shouldn't every company kind of have this anyway? Don't you think? No, I don't want to get on an airplane if someone has a fever next to me. No, you know, I, I agree. I think idea. that it, it is a good idea to – but. As yeah, I mean, I think I think it just brings into conscious people wanting to stay safe and away from people that you know are sick, right? Because I mean, you used to people would sneeze next to you, and you're like, "What are you even doing out in the, you know, out in the world right now? You should be at home getting better." But but, but here's the thing: Don't you guys agree that no matter what happens in the next year, that there is now 
a much higher likelihood in the minds of every company or enterprise that this could happen again and they need to be prepared, right? Don't you agree? And like they want the ability the next time something pops up to say, hey, you know what, guys? We're prepared. We have proper PPP. We have proper protocols. We have the thermal imaging. So you could feel safe coming to work or you can feel safe getting on this airplane or you can feel safe coming to Disneyland because we're doing all of these different things to make sure that we're looking out for the safety of our employees, which is equally important as your customers, and our customers, right? And I just think there's a massive, massive market for this. And I still have more homework to do on FLIR, but I believe, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe that they are moving more into SaaS. And if the thermal imaging has a SaaS component component to it, that would be just awesome. Because I could imagine a day when they have tens of thousands of enterprise clients on this thermal, in, you know, this thermal imaging stuff, led by the most marquee clients in the world, like Disneyland, right? Disney and LAX Airport. I mean, dude. I mean, this is a huge new market for these guys, and I don't think people are paying attention to that. No, I honestly. agree. I agree. I just am not there yet. I I was in Flair. I'm out, and I just I just think it's fake security at this point. It's the idea of security. I do like it for long term, like just general health i think that big office buildings and theme parks probably should not let people with fevers in or whatever but um i'm not convinced yet let me know what you find out about their software as a service model because if they're doing that i'm i'm way more interested in FLIR. what what other stocks are you looking at right now i don't know because they're on the to do notes on my phone and now i can't <laughs> look at my phone because i'm talking into it so well, pull up your ipad no, your, your no. notes should sync over to your ipad but, oh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, except that his internet's I, down. What? Uh, except that his internet is down. Yeah, is, is, this a, is this a cell connection you're on yeah, right now? Yeah, you're on LTE. Uh, I don't think so, but maybe. No, I mean, no, my internet's up because I have my laptop open here, too. And I'm on, I'm on like, uh, you know, it works. My internet's working. See, I got the show going on that, so, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, uh I think FLIR was the important one, guys. Like, it's the one, like, listen, I'm not working on a lot of big, long thesis stock trades this week. Yep. But I, I, I saw FLIR as an opportunity to get longer uh, in a stock that I felt would do well under any scenario right now. And that's why I kind of went long, and I got 20,000 shares of FLIR. But you're not so, looking to get longer in the other stay-at-home stock names, the the traditional ones, or any of the the Clorox, you know, type names. They've already I, I done just, their thing. Here's the thing, you know, I I feel it's I'm a social arb trader, and I feel that it's it's getting tougher to find windows to arbitrage information with those yeah. tickers when they're all over the place. Everyone's talking about them. Everyone's focused on them. So I, I have nothing against them. I'm not saying not to invest in them, but Oh, by the way, I would never say not to invest in anything because I'm not a financial advisor. We are not. We don't want you to do what we do. We don't. No, know but what your just risk tolerance when you're is. talking to me as a friend who has similar risk tolerance, <laughs> that's I what I'm just asking. Getting our disclaimer out there, <laughs> but 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 uh, so here's the thing. Um, I, I I just I feel like 
I feel like it's a stock I could feel comfortable adding, you know, going long in right now and, and adding to that position. Because so I wanted to get longer in any stock, and it's the only one I could find yeah. that I felt would do well in any situation. So that, that's all. I have more work. I have more homework to do on FLIR. I'll do more homework this weekend. Honestly, I wouldn't be. I, I would consider going even longer. I could see myself getting up there to the 30,000 share level in FLIR, but I have more work to do before I make that decision. And um, I don't know if we, we've talked about this, but GAN, you actually sold some of your GAN position? Uh, I have not sold my GAN. I have 85. Okay. I thought I had 90,000. I actually only have 85. I never had the 90 because 5,000 never went through in my quarters. I did not sell any GAN. I still have all 85,000 shares. Cool. Yeah. Do, I have a random number of shares. Oh, yeah, because I tried to buy it that day. and I, I have 20,976 shares because oh, I was I, trying to buy some and it wouldn't go through because I, I was driving the price up. I did add um, some uh, sh- a short position in SeaWorld, though. Um, it just, it's just, it just like a pair trade along with – I mean, it just, it just goes along with my Disney short, right? So the, the Disney I bought put options because Disney options are really liquid. I actually have no issues trading Disney options. Um, the the SeaWorld options are not as liquid. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable with them, so I just shorted some SeaWorld. But again, I, I kind of see myself potentially getting out of the. Oh, I have to get out of Disney on Friday. I potentially see myself getting out of a lot of the stuff on Friday and just keeping, you know, maybe just keeping uh, the, the portfolio hedge for the weekend. Yeah, keeping the with, hedge with and. and- hedge. You have to let our Discord channel know if you end up going uh, long on some uh, really short-term spy calls. Yeah, I'll let, I'll, yeah, I'll let, I'll let everyone know. If I do it, it's it's probably likely to be late in the day on Friday. You know, I just I kind of do that stuff in the hour or two before the market closes on Friday. Because I, I'm, I want those. I, I'm not planning on doing that. I'm I'm going to keep my uh, Dow short um, just because I feel like there's such possible news that could come out that would not be good for the market and i i have enough long that i think that that i'm i'm i want to be kind of neutral over the weekend right um yeah i i get that i get that by the way um totally random because you, you mentioned lynn uh you guys were in on part of this text chain and and me and lynn have been talking uh on top of all the other work that we're doing like I, lynn wants to like buy an island uh, in the Bahamas, and he wants us to develop it. He like he has this restaurant concept, and and like the, you know maybe a boutique uh, hotel, which I'd be cool with. But and I kind of got excited. I thought it was awesome. But I've been watching this show with my wife all week because I was actively looking at you know kind of stuff like this, and it's called uh, Island of Brian, and they actually have it. Uh, they re. <laughs> HGTV purchased the show and has remade it into a show called like Renovation Island that's on HGTV that only has a couple episodes out. But the actual real show that they acquired the rights to is on HGTV.ca. So it's like Canadian, Canadian HGTV. HG. And you have to you have to watch it on your laptop and like stream it to your TV. They have two years of it, and it's this guy and his wife from Canada. And they're evidently pretty big time like renovation people in Canada on HGTV Canada, and they they are re- renovating a resort on a remote Bahamian island, right? And it is the most awesome show ever. And I'm like midway through watching this now, 
And I just don't know if I, I'm sorry, Lynn, I don't think I could do it. I, it is so <laughs> hard to get like equipment and even wood and cement and stuff to the island. Like it just, it is the, it is like your worst nightmare construction project. Hey, let's, let's talk about another risk factor. That island looks like it's so small that uh, if you get a hurricane come through, like the island could go away. Right. Oh, so you saw the island we're looking at by? Like it, it's it's. You sent a picture of it. Though. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, lends the picture of it. Yeah. I was looking it for the picture. So it is honestly the nicest. I it, it supposedly has one of the nicest beaches in the world on this little island, and it's it's twelve million dollars to buy the island. So hey, guys, dumb. This is like for our original Dumb Money channel. Original Dumb Money fans, <laughs> should we buy an island? And develop a project on it for, for our core dumb money channel. Is that would that be ridiculous, or should we even consider doing this? I mean, um, it would it would provide good content for YouTube, but I don't know I, that it would be the best return on our twelve million dollars. Maybe you know, and then Lynn could be like our remote dumb money on the island guy, because <laughs> he would have to live there for like two years. Well, we're doing this. He probably he create a new channel, and the channel is called Dumb Money Money Pit. <laughs> Money Pit. But here's the thing. So, ready for this? There's no water on the island. You have to develop your own desalinization plant. There is no. You know why you need water beyond just needing water? Because you can't make cement without good water. So, yeah. like, you have to make your own cement. You, you can't live without houses. water. You have to build houses for the staff who's going to work there to build the other stuff. Like, so they need to have a place to sleep because the guy, we already took one meeting, phone meeting with this guy. And he was like, you know, that the problem is they have pirates. So like, you will, they will literally come and steal all of your stuff. So you got to have like security and people on the island make sure uh, the pirates can steal all your construction equipment while you're trying to build this thing. Wow. But the, oh my gosh, the island we're looking Dumb at. Dumb money, pirate island. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> The island Stay we're tuned. looking at has, and by the way, for those of y'all that have not seen like our core Dumb Money, just youtube.com forward slash Dumb Money, this is the channel that we've been filming for a year and a half and stopped in late February because of the whole pandemic. This is what we normally do. Like we, we literally invest in crazy stuff, not the stock market. We make investments in private companies, all kinds of weird, crazy stuff, and we take you on our adventures. And it's, it, that's, really what dumb money is this is just this dumb money live thing was a spinoff so um you have to get your own water then you have to figure out how to bring electricity onto the island so you have to have either generators or develop a solar plant which could be kind of cool we could have like a massive tesla solar facility right powering the entire island and have like a like one of these uh what do you call it um just make all, the roofs, resorts, right? yeah, make all the roofs out of uh, resort, Tesla right? tiles. But what's so cool is that the island next to this island has, they just built a runway, okay? They built a, a runway, a 5,000-foot runway in the island or something like that. I don't know, not 5,000-foot, a $5 million runway. Uh, so you can land private jets right next to our island and get, easily get to our island, which is cool. And they have a marina that they just built out right next to this island. So it really checks all the boxes. It's the perfect island to develop. And I spoke to our developer friend, Robert, and he's open to developing it with us. But we got to put in all the initial money is the problem. And and we're, then we're stuck with an island that we have to develop. But Robert's and really we good. We should consider. I'm just saying, we should, dumb money. Should we do this? Should we consider doing this? Robert's really good at raising money and using foreign 
accounting and all kinds of good things. So we should we should look into that. Stop. <laughs> no, I mean it's not funny. You know, he, he knows how to get tax credits and all that stuff. I don't know if you can do that in the Bahamas, but uh, he gets like Chinese money, he gets the tax credits. Yeah. It's, it, anyway, it's something we're considering. So let us know if you think that's a good idea. Well, evil genius likes it. He's just. <laughs> I think Tim White was in. Tim Tim White wants to help produce the show. I saw that. <laughs> okay, okay. Is, is anybody willing to be a project manager on the most, literally the most beautiful and, island in the uh, what section of the Bahamas? It's it's what's it's that nice part of the Bahamas. What what's it called, Dave? The nice part of the the, the Bahamas are all nice. No, it's the, where the all extra nice part. Island. No, the really nice part where you went. With Beautiful the island, small chance Exumas. of pirates, zero it's in water. the Exumas. I don't know which part you're talking about. The Exumas? The Exumas, the Exumas yeah, themselves yeah. are, yeah, that is a part. Yeah. yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's it, in the Exumas? Anyway, it's, it's awesome. Uh, all right, so that will be another day, another show, maybe another five years of shows if we do it. I think, I mean, we might even need a whole new channel just for that. Or a Netflix series. That is what we need. Is a Netflix series called Dumb Money Pirate Island. <laughs> I'm in. Oh, it could totally happen. It could totally happen. Um, all right. I think, what else? I'm looking at comments now for the first time here. Is there anything we need to talk about? Anyone wants to talk, to talk about? <laughs> Tax Shelter Island. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we have oh an architect God. who's ready to uh, ready to join the team. I mean, we could we could source we could source all of the uh, everything we need from our viewers. The thing is, it. like, we could totally buy the island, but then we have to raise money to develop it. We probably right. could raise fifty. I'm, Lynn thinks thirty million, but I think we'd have to raise realist. When I'm watching this show, and guys, you must watch this show on HGTV.ca. I am thinking we might need to raise fifty million. Now they they did they did they only spent eight million on this resort, but it was like a pre-existing resort, and they have a lot more than we have to work with. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Island. Yep. I'm thinking it's like fifty million, but we'll, I don't know because everything's like triple the cost, dude. And it's oh, like yeah. hey, if something breaks, you're like, oh well, we'll wait for the next boat to come in in two weeks with that shipment from Home Depot of Miami. Like, I mean, if you don't have Amazon Prime and a Home Depot on the island, it's you're pretty much lost. There's no way you can develop anything without those two things. I know, and I know, but it's so intriguing. The best thing about this island, Dave, it has it's like has a um, the highest point is only like 45 acres, right? But like the highest point is 90 feet, which is super high for an island like this. So you actually have really nice views of like the Exumas. It's, it, it is the most amazing island. Um, anyway, that's it. I'll, so let, I'll let it go at that. I, I haven't actually even seen this news story, but is uh, China flooding and that a potential black swan event? Well, I don't know anything I'm about this. I'm not aware. I've not heard that, that story. I'm China not, floods, do a... dozen killed, uh, thousands Dot, dot, dot. The I headline don't... scrolled off the edge of my Is it a major picture. metro or is it like a rural thing? I don't even know. Popular tourist region in uh, south already affected by the virus. Downturn battered by downpours sparking mudslides. Oh, no. Yeah, is... I listen. Here's the deal. For you to shake up, for you to like, like shake up the market right now, it has to be really big. Like to, to, it, it has to be bigger than what's going on right now, which would have to be super big. So I don't think stuff like that really matters that much in, in today's environment. 
honestly. All right. But if but if this sort of thing is happening in a popular tourist area, that could be a problem. Oh, the problem. dam is bending. Uh, uh, There's a okay, dam bending. Uh, some some dam. I don't know. I'll ch- I'll check it out. It, oh, China Indian tensions escalate. I mean, come on. It, this I mean, is ridiculous. that could be so the much. real China news. I mean, we the, yeah. The, the other day we did, here's the three gorgeous dam, which that's the big one. That's their big. Uh, wasn't that like a multi-decade project or something like that that they put together? Um, I didn't even... Like the big, it's like the biggest dam in the world, and when it filled up behind it, I think it like altered the spin of the Earth somehow. Uh, we'll have to check our Discord channel. Apparently that's, that's a topic that we need to catch up on. We can also... I, I think we need to talk for a second about what happened uh, when there was a quote that came out that the trade deal with China was off and futures went down like 700 points. And then within an hour, they said, oh, just kidding. Uh, That was uh, taken out of context and futures were back up. Like we're on such just a, the market is just so ready to move right now. Dave, don't you feel that that, that, that comment that he made was essentially real it's just a matter of when trump's gonna give the green light no i think i think that yeah it it came out too early probably and they're like yeah we we didn't mean to have the markets uh tank we need to we need to save that for a a day when things are when there's other good news to offset it or something yeah it's so funny when by the way we are going to have a whole number of election episodes as we get closer to the election season we'll have back to school episodes and election episodes but there are so many factors going into this election. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that if Trump wins the day after he wins, he's going to announce that the trade war is back on, right? Like, he ha- like if it doesn't happen before then. It might happen before then. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, Whenever I, he needs a political war to fight. I mean, every, yeah. everything's going back and forth. Yeah. That's why the market can't go down is because we always get some piece of Good news to Oh, I do up. want to discuss something, um, and I don't have my phone, access to my phone, so I, I don't know what it's called. I forget. There's a government lending program. It's a direct lending program that just kicked into effect last week. Um, it's about a four or $500 million program, and it basically enables medium to even large-sized companies that have less than, I think, 1,500 employees. Uh, it might be 15,000. I think it's 1,500 employees to actually get loans through banks that the government backs. And in some of these cases, the loans could be hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, And it's something that I've been following closely. And I do think it provides kind of a floor on companies like Dave & Buster's and Cheesecake Factory uh, that are potentially at risk of running out of money. I think they are going to probably tap into this loan program. It's called the Main Street Priority Loan Facility. Yes, yes. Uh, and I think that because of that, I'm closely watching kind of how deep I get into these short positions on specific companies like, you know, Dave and & Buster's and, and Cake. And I might start to unwind those positions pretty soon uh, because I would imagine that with everything going on, they are going to tap into those loan programs. Now, the interest rate is like LIBOR plus 3%. So it's like not high, but it's not like crazy low either, yeah. right? Like we're plus three. It's like a, this just like a reasonable rate, like four or five percent. Yeah, it's a reasonable rate, and they do not have to pay any, make any payments for like one or two years. It's crazy. Like at least mm-hmm. one year, they don't have to make any payments on the loan. Yeah. 
Now, I think for the next two years, they don't have to make any interest payments on the loan. So it's like essentially interest-free or like the interest builds up. So obviously they don't want to do this because taking on you know additional debt isn't an awesome thing. Um, and I don't think it would be a huge net positive for equity prices. But it is the type of thing that's going to enable a Dave and Busters to stay alive for an extra year, potentially, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's just, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be great for the company, but it's going to hurt a short position, I think. Yeah. And, and by the way, I don't know the extent to which it impacts uh, existing loan covenants. Uh, a lot of these loan covenants that they might have on other debt might have restrictions on them taking out more debt. Or what normally happens is they'll say, hey, if you issue more stock or if you take out more debt, then that's going to accelerate uh, your payments back to us. And that's why a lot of times these companies are careful to take on more debt. Um, but they might be able to take on that much more debt and then use the debt to pay off their other loans and have a net of an increased amount of debt coming out of that. So it is something that, you know, as an investor that's shorting a few concentrated names, it's something I need to think about because yeah. when the news comes out that they got approved and they got a few hundred million bucks and now they're going to be secure for the next two years or whatever it is, uh, that could send the stocks back up and I could get squeezed out of these short positions. So just, just something to think about. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on that. I, it looks like in the comments, someone thinks that Dave and Buster's already took that loan, but I think they're still working out the, the uh, program. So that, that's I probably not they, that loan. They, they, but. They, yeah, they, um, they, in the most, in a press release that I read at Dave and Buster's, I think it was like a month ago, a month and a half ago, they specifically said they, they canceled the loan. They were going to take, start to take out that loan they cancel that process. The loans just started going out, I think, a week ago. But um, I don't believe, I'm almost positive Dave Musters did not, as of this moment in time, have no indications of taking the loan, but they, they that could change quickly, and I think probably will, quite honestly. Do you want to give a take on Tesla and Peloton? Those are those are stocks that we, we often talk about, and I'm long in Tesla. Uh, I have about, uh, I only have, I have 500 shares of Tesla right now. Good. And you have a lot of Peloton. One share of Peloton away from me. That's all I'm going to say. Um, in terms of Tesla, you know, I'll say the same thing. I'm in Tesla, not because I necessarily. I, I can't speak about Tesla. I have so much to talk about on our the next Tesla episode. <laughs> like my mind is blown how much is happening out there in the in the kind of electrification space, especially as it relates to vehicles and other companies that are backing their way into IPOs. And if you missed it um, at the beginning, we are planning the episode that we were going to do today all about the electrification of the world and uh, Tesla and the new Tesla. Is Nikola going to be um, the next oh, Tesla? Like that will be one week from today, today on Thursday. There's like three or four more companies in, in addition to Nikola we're, we're going to be talking about on that episode. And so many of these companies are trending now with the Robinhood uh, investors that we'll kind of talk about which ones we actually think have some merit uh, and which ones are just vaporware, uh, if any. So I, it's going to be a fun episode. And I'm actually really happy that our followers kind of pushed us to do this episode because it's something I've been shying away from. And I'm actually happy that I'm at now doing the research and I have a much deeper understanding of the space because you start, you're starting to hear a lot about it, right? Yeah. So anyway, all right, guys. Uh, I think we've said it all. 
We've uh, said everything we can possibly say today, other than you need to smash the like button. No, I think I've already said that many times, but you do need to subscribe. Uh, you need to ring the bell. You need to turn on notifications, set them to all. You need to listen to our podcast. You need to just do all the things because if you don't do those things, uh, we're, we basically aren't allowed to be on YouTube. So do those things. And we thank you guys so much for watching. We have a huge show planned on Monday. Our guest Howard Lindzen is going to be on and it's going to be a good one. So we will see you guys on Monday.